you've been looking for a podcast to help you transform your physical and mental one that'll shoot you straight between the eyes with truth and no bs helping you have the right mindset to accomplish things the iron will and fortitude to follow through with what you say you're going to do no excuses Mark owns martial arts schools, and after 30 years, he has some real insight for real talk, real life, real conversations, motivational, fitness, self-defense, weight loss, live from the Great 1-8. This is Real Talk with Mark Cox. All right, sir. Now we're live. Just because uh, uh, I know people are looking forward to it, they're probably like, "Where is Mr. Laborio?" Oh man, so, That's we, we 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 apologize for some small technical difficulties, but that's what happens when you get a little bit older. We apologize for being old. That's, <laughs> that's correct. In lack of our tech skills, you know. That's that's so. You know, it's so funny. I I was. Talking about being older, I there's there's a uh, a jujitsu school. I don't know if it's in. It just came across the other night. It's called, um, uh, uh, you know, middle age rollers. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And I so it. <laughs> I was like, "Wow, middle age rollers, man! I fit right into that, man." Oh my goodness! <laughs> so it's uh, that's it's uh, that's just definitely been uh. Uh, now listen, Mr. Co- Mrs. For- Mr. Fortner's up there. Carson's on there saying he misses Carson. us. Oh, this guy's uh, awesome, man. Yeah. This is, this is really one of the nicest human being I know. I'm <laughs> telling you this. I'm so fortunate to have met this guy. I'm telling you this. You know, I don't know. I don't know anybody that doesn't say that when they meet him. He's a good dude. Carson's He's always been, uh, dude. him and I got very, very close when his, his dad was passing away and, He's just been, he's just been, uh, something ever since, man. So yeah, we're lucky we have him. We don't want to get his head too filled up. Uh, yeah. You know he's I mean? very highly of you too. So let me fill your head. The same way he, 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 he has the ultimate respect <laughs> and admiration for you. And yeah. So, he's, yeah. yeah, he's a good dude, man. He, we, we, we love Carson, man. And we're, it's it's been fun to watch watch him grow, and you know he'll help too with taking jujitsu to the next level. You know what I mean? To yeah. Um, yeah. you know, so that there's there's uh, money to be made with that. So yeah, I've been thinking. You know, I saw your last uh, you know your last podcast you had with Jason, and and you know I I think I get the approach a little different because I you know I train in jujitsu now a little bit, yeah. so I, I think I got a different um, some different questions for you as far as that goes, and. Um, you know, we'll talk about what it's like to be older and, and rolling and, and stuff like that too, because it's, uh, oh, it's, uh, listen, man, I'm 60 years old and some of these kids, I'm just like, man, Master Cox, I'll tell you this. I, I left this station a long time ago, my friend. I'm telling you this. For me, jujitsu now is really the therapy. For me, is a, is a, is a click and it's a little bit different. Because I was very competitive and I trained for competition my whole life. I was introduced 
for the sport to be competitive in one of the most competitive environments that you can ever imagine, right? This is was dog eating dog, man. It was really killing a lion a day. And getting older, you just have to get much of your ego aside. You have to to, to transition to to competitor to to structure and, and and understand understand that youth for a, a compet you know for competition set youth speaks a lot you know is volume youth is volume so train jujitsu uh, with intention to compete with 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 younger guys who are competitors it's, it's almost impossible. I'm not, I mean, in a higher level, it's in, it's impossible. So you have to put your ego aside. You have to put what you believe in before about winning and about competition and about things. And you have to, to have this different mindset. Otherwise, you're going to go away from the sport. Your ego is going to push you away from the sport. It is going to push you away from training and being healthy. That's another thing, too. Mr. Grux is being healthy, man. You know, yeah. if, if you're not on a match, what are you doing? On the couch? You know? Well, that's, it, that's correct. That's yeah. it. That's I, it. Well, I, I, I tell you, I've gotten, because of Sergio, you know, I had, you know, I got myself, my my personal story with Jiu-Jitsu was I started at the uh, with the Machados. David Myers was his name. And I don't know how I don't know if you know my story on how I we all got introduced to jujitsu. This is in the early '90s, and we had Jean Jacques was supposed to come and do this big seminar for us. All this all these karate guys. That's what we were doing, right? We had a, we had I don't know 80 people there, and Jean Jacques couldn't come, so he sent one of his brown belts named David Myers. And David Myers, I watched him. This is the early '90s. Dismantle every single person there. I, I like like it was nothing um, because we had no there. We didn't do any kind of ground. There was no ground. We didn't do any of that kind of training. And I was like, and you know, I was kind yeah, of the add on it what you're saying right now because in the '90s, no one knew in any ground ground skills. In you know, UFC was in '93. What? <laughs> right? Right? Yeah. This way, There's no no one knew it. it not it's so. I mean, you, you were a guppy with a shark. Okay. I was like, so when I, and I was kind of the pit bull fighter and I was watching him dismantle and everybody's waiting for, oh, he's going to go with Mr. Cox. And I'm like, man, I'm not standing up. So this is not going to go well. <laughs> and, uh, and of course, you know, he tapped me like I was nothing. Right. I was like, wow. And that's how I started. I'm like, Hey man, we're not doing our, ser our, our students a service here if we don't ha introduce this. Yeah. And I started there. And David Myers did private lessons with us. And so it was, it was, is that my side? Where's that music coming from? Is that me? It's not mine. Hold on a second. <laughs> I guess my phone, my Siri just decided it's going to play music, <laughs> even though I have it on mute. You know, sometimes I think the the government is watching us. Um, you got to be careful. Even say the word Alexa. So, you say Alexa. Uh, see that my Alexa here started popping. If I said something wrong, started really, started really lighting up and and, and recording. Lexi, that's that's, so, that's just 
the stuff yeah, that I, happens I, with yeah. these electric. Anyway, so I we started this, and and I'll tell you the funniest story we had is Dave said, "Hey, why don't you guys come to the academy and we'll roll over there?" We did a private lesson there, and then we just had our karate uniforms. We didn't have jujitsu uniforms or nothing, yep. and then we had black belts on because we, you know, we didn't know. And oh my gosh, that was the worst class ever. I told Dave, I said, "I am never." coming to this school with a black belt on again. I said, are you kidding me? These guys just had their way with us, man. And so I was that way from Dave for, I was a blue belt for probably 10, 10 something years. And I really never found a coach that I, that I gelled with to have a love for jujitsu. And then Sergio came around and um, he just has the same mindset that we do. You know, he's a military guy. He's a, he's a seasoned vet. Um, you know, and he's a competitor, you know what I mean? And we just gelled with the coach and it's just been, uh, it's just been pretty awesome since, I mean, I've learned a lot of stuff. Uh, I didn't think, you know, you know, myself, I'm 60 and I have a left knee that's a replacement knee. And then I had some blood clots from an injury. And so they put me on blood thinners and I never thought I could, you know, I can't really spar like I used to, you know, get taking headshots anymore. But jujitsu gave me uh, that thing back that gives me a little bit of a warrior's uh, yeah. mentality back. So it was, it was, it's been beautiful. So, but listening to your story, man, where you started, I mean, jujitsu was more than a way of life. I think when you started, correct? I mean, you guys were like, you guys were dog eat dog back in. Uh, yeah, I in, started. I started jujitsu. I was fourteen years old, fifteen years old. Um, my first girlfriend. Her uncle, I got invited to to a barbecue in my in my first girlfriend's house. So I was fourteen or fifteen years old, and uh, Rosado, which is the first red belt from Carlson Gracie, is the only guy that Carlson Gracie really promoted to the red belt. And he was there. He was a black belt at the time, and he saw me stucky, you know. 15 years old, stocky kid. And he said, man, you got to start a training jiu-jitsu. You know, it's going to be good for you. And and I got super excited about that. And this is, was in a Sunday. Monday, I remember getting the bus and, and getting to the Carlson Gracie School and, and meet him over there for the first class. And it is funny about this because right next to where I live, there's this big you know, this big gym called Gracie Humaita. And the Gracie Humaita was Hickson and, and Hoyler and a bunch of other guys trained. It is exactly six minutes walking from my house. And I have no idea. 15 years old, jiu-jitsu wasn't popular as it is in the world nowadays. Jiu-jitsu wasn't popular at all, even in Brazil. Um, there was a core people doing it. I was just got invited. I got this in, you know, by one of the best uh, athletes that Carson Grace produced it, and and I decided to go, and I just fall in love with it. You know, I just really, I just had this connection right away. This is was for me. Okay, that's it. This is my sport. You know, and I have done it before. I have done it before that. I did judo and I did taekwondo, and I did mm. boxing. You know, and and when the jujitsu came along, it was like, man, this is perfect. It was a perfect, and, and this is, Master Cox, this is a reality. For self-defense, you have to learn everything. For self-defense, 
there's no such a thing about oh that this is just much better no for self for self-defense itself you got to learn how to disarm weapons if you can you know uh, at least have some knowledge of it although this is how do you really know it's going to happen or you really uh, right. you're really going to make it happen but knowing is better than not knowing right um i don't fall too much for for, for crazy stuff but if some things are very efficient you can see it and it's better having and not having but you have to have this background of mix of martial arts and you have to learn striking it started with a striking defensive and offensive striking this notion of distance and levels and angles and from there you have to learn the takedown part and you have to learn the ground you know you you do yeah the yes, difference of the jiu-jitsu was it it really for 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 older guys is really hard to train any other sport except for jiu-jitsu which is in the ground you know yeah you don't have the same impact if you really try to train sparring like you did in your time you know with our age it's almost but we're gonna get hurt oh yeah you spar you can punch the bag okay but you cannot spar to have a real notion of if this is going to work or not, you know. And you can you can't do this in judo and wrestling. You can't. It is just too much impact. It hurts too much. Yes, that's, that's right. And you have the ground, which is down there. It is not too much. <laughs> yeah, you don't move too much. Right. It's not impactful, so it doesn't hurt that much. That's what a lot of middle aged guys are doing. That's what the reality is. You know. Yeah, I guess that's I guess that's true. I mean, talking about it's been uh you know, you get a group of guys that aren't out to hurt each other and yeah, you can get quite a workout in as uh for sure as as that as that goes, you know what I mean? And I think you're right about ego. I, I mean, I I I catch myself too with these young guys, you know, it's uh it can be very frustrating down there. I didn't have all the years experience as you do for it now. So this is something that's become a love late in life. You know what I mean? And it's just, uh, uh, there's, I don't know. There's a lot of life lessons that's learned on the jujitsu mat for sure. Um, Mr. Don't, don't please don't. It's as hard. It's like, if you put me to a spark with a, with a younger black belt and karate, I'm probably going to get my butt kicked. Stand up. You know, it, yeah. it, just, it is not about, it's not just even the youth itself. It is, it is, it's apples and oranges in a certain way. The difference with the jujitsu part is that you, it's like a game. You know, you have stations that you have to come from here. Oh, a takedown works two points. A pass the guard is three points. A neon belly, two points. A mount position is four points. A take in the back, four points. And you got all the submissions that you got into it. So it's a game. In the end of the training, you know if you're winning or not through the score system. But you don't have too much of a, a – it can be a lot of pressure or none, right? Right, right. It can yes. be a lot, a lot of pressure or none. Or you can flow. <laughs> You can yep. do this with a white belt that doesn't know what to do in it. Even if it's a super, you know, athletic and young kid, you can do this and, and float around. That's what's happening for me. It's funny about this because I was thinking about this today, Mr. Cox. Now I'm starting the New Year's resolution. And I said, man, I am going to start 
training because my problem I'm training because I have back problems and knee problems and all those things is if, <laughs> yeah. if I go competitive. If I go competitive, if they're going to be stronger and fast, I try to be fast and strong and something gives. Bah, I got a knee, a back, and back, or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and I use, can't give up. Yeah, so yeah. Myself, man, I'm going to flow. I mean, I'm going to get my ass kicked. I, I decide this, but I'll be on a mats. That was my New Year's resolution. Really is. Can I? I'm going to get my ass kicked. It's okay. I have a purple belt there who's extremely competitive. He wins everything. I'm telling you this at 23 years old, belt, which is a beast, you know, 185 pounds. I, I can't keep up with this. But I say, man, you know, I'm just going to get at the least him a workout. Even, even if it's just a little bit, as long as he doesn't hurt me, you know, I'll be, I'll be there. Yeah. And that's hell. Well, it's, I guess it's still great though. When you got students like that, we still have a dad complex. So when they, uh, when they roll with us, it's like, man, it's like my dad. I gotta be. That is true. That is true. We gotta put aside because otherwise, man, we're, we're going away from the school. And I, I, I've been there on, on the time that was, Mr. Cox, it was, I, I was part of the best jiu-jitsu team in the world you know, for a while, which is the best jiu-jitsu MMA teams in the world. I've seen all in, in, in the athlete mentality and the coach mentality is whatever it takes to achieve results. And this is, you know, no friends, no, you don't take it at home. I mean, there's no survivor. You gotta do. You gotta go there. You gotta go there for your own state of mind. Is thing that you can accomplish, and then be you know build up your confidence, and and get this competitor's mentality, which is different than than the mental health mentality. Mm-hmm. And this mental health mentality that I'm saying, Master Cox, is a lot of people. Three percent, only three percent of people compete 97% of people this is a statistics from IBJJF 97% of the population that trains jiu-jitsu do not compete 3% compete and a micro percentage are the champions so reality is 97% of people are doing this or to feel good or to look good or both right and you yeah. can't have this mentality about just winning because you're not going to win everything in life. Man. And I, 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 man, I've been there. I, I accuse myself and, and sometimes even my ego, I got to go back there, man, hold on. If you see somebody really, you know, pushing you hard and, and you try to go after, and I, I realize that if I go after, I will not be there training for the next three days. I know, I know how I am. My I have seven hernia discs, you know, mm. and seven hernia discs. And, and if I push too much, it pop, it, just, it just pops. It's something really. Now, I had to change my mentality, how it was brought up and, and the whole entire goals. And 
is it's pretty different now than it was before. And I think it's going to change even more because as older as I get, as I, I, I find easy excuses to not train and to not be there. You know, it's always related to injuries, but at the same time, I got to make myself, I got to make myself go. Otherwise, uh-huh. I'm not going to be healthy. Otherwise, it's it's not life. It, it's it's yeah. you know it's 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 just not life. It's just every time you're in the match, every time you're training, you know it's you're doing something good. You know every time you do something good, there's always something bad. Try to stop that something good happen, right? Right. Yeah, that's true. Every yeah. time, that's that that's that's for sure. So your your competitive days, uh. Well, how how old was your last compete? And when's the last time you competed? How old were you? The last time I competed was in 2015. I was invited uh, by the ADCC guys to compete against the champion of the what called the Masters Division. Um, the champion was Mario Sperry, which is a big champion. He beat Fabio Grugel and he beat Hansel Gracie. And I was invited to. Um, this is a curious story. You know, I got invited by Sheikh Mohammed Tahnoum, uh, Sheikh Tahnoum, actually. Sheikh Tahnoum invited me to spend some time there training with him in Abu Dhabi. So I went there for 15 mm-hmm. days. And after 15 days, I was training with him. And he would say, no, Lamar, I think you can. I think you can compete and beat the champion, which was Maurice Perry. And he must say, okay, great. That's awesome. But when I came back to the United States a week later, uh, his right-hand man called me and said, Salabori, do you want to compete at DCC? Sheikh Tahnu wants you to compete against Mario. And Mario already accepted. And I said, oh, he did? Okay, all right, let's do it. So I I trained a year, 10 months for that competition. Because I was coming back from all these injuries and I was not training, I was just training the guys. And I spent 10 months just thinking about competing and, and, and healing, right? was the healing process with the body it was really and going back in competition mode waking up five o'clock in the morning the mindset was different the diet was different the competition time it was different everything is it's different and you and and i decided to compete and i competed and i and i won it was really good for me but this is was really was a selfish thing i wanted to compete and on AGCC with that opportunity and spending time on myself for quite a while. And that was the time that I had it to actually do this. And thank God everything went well. You know, I did, I did well. I think I won. And, and, and that's it. And I see the difference when, while I was training, while I was doing this, I would see the difference on my, on my mindset, on my health, my energy, my, everything um before i was i was driven by goals master cups a lot so uh-huh. when i competed i was always with a competition in mind and i was doing everything was waking up and i'm one of those guys that i wake up five o'clock in the morning and i go run and i'm really doing this for my whole competition life it was a cup Wake up as early as I can be. Nobody can beat me on waking up and doing my job. You know, <laughs> I have this mentality. Is always thinking about somebody. I'm doing this. I 
guarantee this guy's not doing what I'm doing right now. So I had this, oh, breaking my own limits mentality. And had I put on, in the end of the train, I was having three sessions a day, you know, from the, from the conditioning, the technical part, and the training part. And it, it just, it was a 360. Um, back again in competition mode. You know? I, well, I think that listening to what you say, I don't think that's – there's not a champion that I know of that doesn't have that same mentality you are. Being up at the being, – doing things that others w- are not willing to do in order to get things others will not have. You yeah. know what I mean? So uh, it doesn't surprise me at all that to hear that you'd be up at five and in your mindset – it would be, I know the other guy ain't doing what I'm doing because I'm out doing him every day. Yep. And, and right in the mindset of the other uh, being a competitor going, I can't let the other guy outdo me. So I got to step up that game. I think that, that, I, I think that speaks volumes of, of uh, just a champion in general. That's why there's only 3% of you guys, right? No, uh, that do this. Well, there's 3% that compete. You said there's how many champions are there? What's that? One it's, half of 1%? Let me just tell you this. Look, in the world championships, there was, in my bracket, there was 36 guys. 36 guys. So let's say there was 70 guys on on my weight limit on the on the world championships. 70 guys. One is the champion. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But that, yeah. that speaks volume also about martial arts and the mentality of a martial arts. Because, first of all, it's an individual sport, so you have to be good with yourself um, and, and your exposure of winning or losing it. You have to deal with this. At the same time, the percentage of champions are very small. The podium is very small already, right? The podium is very, very small. Very small percentage of people that go to the podium. Now, the champions is even a smaller percentage. Now, the reality is that you you have to you have to embrace risk and you have to trust yourself in it you got to believe it in it and you got to trust yourself trust your process to and, and for me it was always i was always driven by by doing everything right you know for me it was if i set up a goal and i have a plan i'm going to try to accomplish absolutely everything that i really planned for you know, five o'clock in the morning, five o'clock in the morning. It's 12 at noon. If I have to be there at noon to do the drilling, I'll be there at noon to do the drilling. And at night, and I'm doing my other, my other. And this is, for me, was extremely important. That That's why it's so, um, sometimes I got to catch myself in it because I, I'm very strict in competition with the goals. And out of competition, for example, diet, it's something that we got to be, Whoever made weight, Master Cuts, uh-huh. to compete, have to cut down weight is one of the worst tortures that you can have. It <laughs> not just the diet itself, the dehydration, the whole process is is terrible. It, it really, it, it's hurtful. It hurts your hurts your soul. You know, dehydration is even worse than diet. I'm telling you this. I have yes, seen people yes. dehydrating that really actually lock themselves in the bathroom and go drink the water and they, they, they just can't do it. It's really, really hard. Super hard. And to go to this, and at one point, you see that old guys like me, the pastor, this life of, of, of dieting and, 
and, and cutting weight, dehydration, then you want to eat whatever you want to eat. You know, you spend that <laughs> time and period that cutting down the weight, it was such a torch. You treat yourself eating. It's something that it got you got to rearrange your mindset to go back to that little, you know, little portion and, and, and the quality of diet. All those things, man, is whoever competed know what I'm talking about here right now is is just absolute torture. It's torture, you know? Yeah, that's well, I guess that's the that's that's the making of champions, right? Those are the ones that get in it. Yeah. I know coach, our coach Serge says uh, the same thing. You know, we he competed with our last group that went out himself. And, you know, he had to cut weight that day also. He was out doing his thing. Uh, you know, he was off doing his thing, getting ready to cut his weight. And, of course, watching your coach, you know, win everything at with ease on top of it, right? It was like, it, you, you know, and then him having their – you know, that's our first time that we really were as a team out there doing thing. And, and, uh, you know, we've had, you know, we had, uh, Ashley, one of our, our top guys, uh, top girls doing her thing. And she, she had won her competition and, and it was, she's been having a hard time finding fights at her weight. So she really went on a cutting to get, so, so she can have, uh, you know, fights, you know, this is her right here, right? Torture is worth the fun. That's what she said. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, then again, she's barely 21. So there's that, right? And then uh, John, the one that, you know, he had uh, he had uh, some uh, medical issues that, you know, two weeks before his medical issues, he was there winning gold on the, you know, on his, on on a tough, on, on in the blue belt division, on a, in a tough division, right? right. And uh, and then, of course, lessons learned in the, in the no-gi, Right. His no gi was uh, it was, you know, he won the gi and, and no gi was he didn't win. Right. So just one of those things you go back to the drawing boards with it's it. So the competition side, you know, coach is pretty competitive. You know what I mean? He's he's uh, you know, he's one of those championships you talk about and he talks just like you do. You know, he's just one of those other other men that uh, yeah. did did what others won't do to uh, to get what he wanted. And believe it or not, I don't know if you if Sergio told you his story because he, he got hurt in the war, you know, they, know, he was told he wouldn't work. He wouldn't even walk. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he come out of that, uh, not only walking, you know, kicking everybody's ass on top of it. So, uh, you know, it's just, you know, listening to your guys is cause I know that well, you, you, uh, when did you come to the United States? When, when did that happen? 1999 it was in 99. I came to the United States first time. Did you come here to, to, to start coaching UFC? Is that how, how did you build American um, top team? Because I remember that's was, where you were going. That's where yeah. you and I met the very first time is with the that. First, 1999. I came for the first time for a seminar and that's when we started. We kickstarted everything. I had this idea uh, from Brazilian top team that we should be forming uh, teams and all the top teams all, all, all over the world. And it, it started with Brazilian top team. And at one point there was a spin-off that people wanted to open up a, a top team in Japan. So it would be the Japanese top team. And when I decided to actually come to America and I got a proposal to spend some time here and I spent some time that we decided to open up, I went to the partner and say, Hey, listen, we're, we have, and I have this idea to form the American top team. There was a Brazilian top team. There is, a Japanese top team that was a B form and I think would be a good thing. And we and it says, okay, let's do it. And we did it, you know? And 
and that's when it was would started in 2000. Really, when I moved here, it was 2000, 1999. It would come as the first time. Spent some time and then decided to move in 2000, 2001. We built out the the American Top Team. That's what it was. Did you enjoy? Did you did you enjoy teaching fighters? Was that was that a different? Are they have different mentality? Do they are are they Very different? Master Cox is a completely different world. I mean, is is a different world, completely different world. Well, I was very in route in teaching fighters from from the time of a Carlson Gracie and then and after that Brazilian top team. And when I came to America, I have this great background of teaching successfully, you know, high level pro fighters. So we knew how to do it. There was a recipe, but we knew that American top team would be a, a, a baby well because the Brazilian top team that we have, we have the best teams in the world, have the best fighters in the world at the time. You know, guys mm -hmm. like Belfour and um, the Nogueira brothers and Ricardo Rona, Marilla Bustamante, Maris Perry. There, there are so many high level guys there. Um, they were competing successfully in Japan. The scenario was in Japan. Japan, it was really the big market that they had it there, you know, in that era to 90, in the 90s. Uh, UFC did not even start it. Um, it was before Zufa and before before the reality show that really pumped the sport to a different level. This was yeah. way before. So yeah. I knew it. I knew how to do it, you know. And... Even besides the, the technical aspect of the sport, which is is constantly developing, right? Um, yes. In the beginning, it was a bunch of, of, a, of a backgrounds put it together. You try to learn something here and there. Nowadays, the curriculum is available for kids, or the kids that grow up already in a mix of martial arts set. Completely different world. I mean, right. mm -hmm. you know? You have kids of five years old nowadays doing basically. I do. I teach kids, you know, in a martial arts set, but a lot of a mix of martial arts techniques: jab, cross, hooks, you know, round oh, kicks, high kicks, low kicks, with double legs, single legs, and with ground and pound, pass the gun, <laughs> all the things, you know, all the things that we we knew it. So you know, five years you, old. When you're seven years old, you already <laughs> right. Yeah. We, you know, coach. We talk about the same thing, right? We we uh, we're like, man. You, you know, I've had different generations. So I opened my school in 1990, and yeah. in Tongsudo, which is my main art, I've got close to 700 black belts that I have that I have over these 35 years, right? And and thousands of people that's come through. But when you look at my generations, I'm like. Every generation that sticks around with me gets nothing but better because now us us involving even more into the jujitsu world. Now we have three year olds. We have little rollers that are starting <laughs> jujitsu. So can you imagine their wrestling skills by the time they're 10, 11, what they're going to look like doing traditional martial arts, jujitsu, Krav Maga and the yeah. whole mixed what that really looks like for a child. It's why I, you know, as schools evolve, if you have, if you're the right instructor that evolved with time, yeah. your students, the, the generations of students just get better and better and better, you know, all, all the way around. So the way I see it, Mr. Clarkson, honestly is, is 
people realize the benefits of everything, right? I think mixed martial arts really create this, this differences. Because I, I'm even, I'm previous mixed martial arts. I, when we saw that, at the times of Brazil, was the Valitudos. The Valitudos <laughs> yeah. transition to the no-holds-bar, and the no-holds-bar right. transition to the MMA. So the MMA is something even newer. My point is, is this acceptance. Because, Master Cook, you understand this, you're going to understand this pretty well. Every sport has a culture, a background. And Correct. the acceptance and all this, this policies and procedures, which makes the culture the culture itself. So the acceptance of, 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 of you know, of a wrestling in, in MMA or the acceptance, the acceptance of jiu-jitsu in traditional martial arts or wrestling or, or the traditional martial arts in wrestling, for example, it's something that it was unheard of. Is right. it was unthinkable before, before, yeah. before where nobody was like, no, this is no, no, this is good, no, this is no, this is was unthinkable. Nowadays, everybody realizes that there are goods and bads in absolutely everything. That's correct. Yeah, you're right, Coach. And you, and you have this. You're not betraying anything. You're betraying all your students if you don't learn. If you don't learn takedowns, if you don't learn the striking of karate traditional martial arts, if you don't learn the values of the martial arts itself, and this is the difference because, Master Cox, you know me as I know you. You know, you're, look at this, you're a traditional martial artist who has a competitive mentality that it's almost trans, transcend to, to what a wrestling is, you know? We're right. tremendous competitive. Right and and mix and martial arts got tremendous competitive guys. <clears throat> At the same time, I was a guy raised in jujitsu as a background, but I always was a martial artist. I was always a martial artist, always. You know, I was never the trash talk. I couldn't be. It's not <laughs> me. It is just not me. I always was this traditional martial arts guy that I really loved. This this structure of being respectful and. And you have this environment of kindness, but at the same time, you'll be able to pull the trigger when it's necessary, you know, knowing all the stuff. And this is this is what I believe that should be. Everyone should be, you know. That's one of the reasons the MMA for me, in a certain way, it, it, it just drift away from what I believe, one of my core beliefs, because there's so much trash talk. There is so much, yeah. There's so much aggressiveness and hate, and and hate on everything, man. Hate on religion, <laughs> and hate on the skin, and hate on whatever it is. They're, they're hating to get attention, hating to get people look at them, you know. And that's it's just it's not what I believe. It's not what I feel comfortable with, and I, and I understand. Mr. Cox, I understand. I understand what is necessary to bring the attention to make the money. And right. I, yeah. And I'm and I'm 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 okay, okay with it. You know, because I see those guys want to. They want to make the checks. They want to really provide, and the, the the ones they're providing is the ones that really actually can talk talk trash and be funny and 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 can fight at the same time. You know. 
and that's yeah. what reality is. But but there's too much of too much of aggressiveness, man. There's too much hate, you know. That transcends to to the backstage of the sport, to transcend to to the example that you give to the kids. They, you know, it's what a, a couple of things that I see in in martial arts and traditional martial arts. How how this is was really uh, modified to to raise um, character education on the kids. Correct. You know, yes. To help yeah. kids, to help the kids to get a better version and and contribute to society even better. Not not just yeah. to build champions. You know that's all. Anyway, this is my opinion. You know. I think. Well, I think you're right. I think I think listening to your listening to what you're talking about. I mean, you're you're right there in the in in the uh, in the meat of it. You know, when you were teaching the fighters and doing what you were doing, I I I agree a hundred percent of what the hate of. I mean, you remember the fighters that come from a very traditional background uh, were just different. Leo Machi, uh, yeah, Machida, uh, Machida yeah. was just a different. Um, George Saint Pierre, he wasn't a big. Yeah. You know, he was a, he comes from a very traditional background. He just wasn't hit, but he was, you know, both those guys were like yourself, kind of, uh, the calm before the storm. As soon as you competition goes and after competition, you're yeah. shaking hands and, you know, our coach is the same way, you know, he's an absolute beast when he is, but he's a, he's a humble beast. You know what yeah. I mean? So, uh, it's, it's been good. And I think that's what we like to surround ourselves with, uh, for sure. Uh, when it comes to, uh, yeah. You know what that you know what that looks like. I think that you know you bring something to the table that is probably well said. I remember one of the times you know your American Top Team, and then you know we really got to know you on yeah. an intimate scale at a Maya show. Correct. And I look back on this now, and I'm like Carson Fortner and signed up my son Michael, and Tyrone Woodley was in there. Yeah. And those three guys had you in private lesson. You had something going Mark, on at the Maya show. Before, Mark, this was way before Tyrone was a champion. Right. Actually, this is way before. It was <laughs> way before Tyrone was a champion. It yeah. Was, it was funny. It yeah. was funny to see it. So, we, so Carson and Michael and uh, Woodley got all. Uh, I don't know. Now that I look back on it, I'm like, wow, what we had at the time, because I really wasn't doing jujitsu as much even then, but I'm thinking to myself, wow, they had private lessons with one of the most awesome competitors and coaches around. And I think that's what Michael will never forget. The, uh, I don't think Carson will either, uh, the experience that he had with that. And he was in touch with, uh, Woodley for a long time, they would talk back and forth on the phone. You know, I know once Michael's wrist is healed, you know, he wants to do a, I want to, I want to get him out there to you uh, for a few days, just so you can get him around some, Anytime. some you guys, know, you know what I mean? So him, I'd like to see he's, that. he's more than well, anyone of you guys, you know, guys are, <laughs> are my guys, you know that. Yeah. So it would be, uh, my people right there. Yeah. That, that would be good. Well on. So now that we're, now that you're starting, cause I know that, at this point now, I've been on some of your phone calls and we're looking at, at trying to streamline a business more mm. model for jujitsu, right? To have, I mean, what's your, what's your take and you're in, in, in jujitsu only schools, right? There's a, you don't see, you can see like Taekwondo and, and everything else on almost every corner. Jujitsu schools aren't quite on every corner. You got like, one thing I have learned in this thing, there there is a huge um, 
history about jujitsu. You can't just pop over in a school and start popping off that you're this awesome jujitsu practitioner. You don't know any history or, or something or because you get called out big time. You know what I mean? It, it, there is a there is a lineage that you follow. To. You know, there is there is in a way you have jujitsu is so new. Master Kak thinks this way, you know, even with you can go. Go back to the roots of a sport. Go back to who created the sport. Who created? Who's the first person? Like there was in judo, the Jigoro Kano. There's Kano, and Kano taught judo to a bunch of people that spread all over the world. But to go back and really backtrack from the roots of the sport for who created and make the history until you're you know, until you're you're full of structure. That's it's a it's a rare. It's, it, you don't have record to it, you know. In mm -hmm. traditional martial arts, you don't have record. You can you don't have record for taekwondo to find out exactly who is the instructor of instructors of instructor of instructor. You know, and in jujitsu is for being so new. It is. Yes. You know, for, for me, it was like I'm very close to the source. For me, I have Maeda Coma who decided to bring jujitsu to Brazil. And he taught Carlos Gracie, who taught Helio Gracie, Carlson Gracie, and me. So I'm very close to the source of the sport. The sport, it's, it's so close. And when I was young, Carlson took me to a barbecue and his father's house. And Helio Gracie and Carlos Gracie and Carlson Gracie were in the same table sitting down. And we had no clue, you know, we're... We understand that this is was special to us, but we had no clue that this is going to grow as it is right now, which is just spreading out all over the world. And just it's just going to grow more and more because with the spreading of MMA, it spreads on necessity of learning the ground. And basically, you have on the ground, you just have you know two other, uh, which is limited. See that judo is for jujitsu is is. 2080. 20% of judo is on the ground, as 20% of the jiu-jitsu is to stand up. Mm -hmm. yes. And the sambo, which is the other martial arts that is there on the ground, has limitations also because it's for the most part, sambo is more like a, a, a MMA combative than actually a it's just only pure groundwork. So in every place of the world. Master Cox, any place in the world right now, any country, you know that there is a background of a striking and a background of takedowns. Mm -hmm. But you don't see in every place the ground yet. They're still, still going to grow. There are countries that don't have it yet. There's a lot of countries in Africa that never heard of jiu-jitsu. You know, there's countries that there's, there's nothing, you know. I remember there are so many countries still that don't have jiu-jitsu schools and programs that can be actually spread out and they have the level of black belts that can be teaching without being called out. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you have In the 90s, you have a, a blue belt open up a gym because there was no black belts enough. Right. Yes, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, ours was brown. Our, our, our instructor was brown belt, and he was that for a long, long time. Yeah, but brown is still capable to teach. There's a yes. lot of schools that there are blue belts, you know, and that it's, it's, it's a common thing. There used to be way more common because 
the population of people practicing the sport was very small. Now things are changing and it's getting bigger and bigger. And like you said, if you if you open up a gym and you don't know anything of jujitsu, you're gonna get you're gonna get called out. That's no doubt. So you do an association at least. You associate yourself to have a brand or a lineage to follow. You know, yes, it's a common thing. It's extremely common. Yeah, I couldn't. I, yeah, I couldn't agree with that more. I, I, that's how you know Sergio's lineage just brought a lot of. Uh, you know, credibility to our, our program and, and what it is, you know, it's, it's been, uh, yeah. it's been awesome having him, uh, be part of that. And, and plus he had a gym, he had a gym for a long time before, uh, he had a, a very successful gym for a long time before he went into law enforcement and, and became certain, a cop. Mr. Cox, Sergio is, and Sergio is absolutely awesome for other reasons too. First of all, he is, you know, he is a legit, competitor he is a legit veteran he is a legit police officer law enforcer he this guy and i always say that mr cox you know for jiu-jitsu itself if you're not a competitor or if you're not a professional athlete sometimes you have to do mma you've got to learn jiu-jitsu there's no other way now if you're law enforcement if you're military you should know jiu-jitsu so the applications of this it can save your life Right. You're right about Much that. That's more than I. You know what I mean? My my competition days, you know, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to get killed in the streets. If you don't know jiu-jitsu nowadays, Master Cox, you know, the chances are that you're going to put your hands on someone for a police officer, a law enforcement, not even say police officer, you know, um, there's so many other law enforcement there that th those guys have if, they, if you want to arrest someone, you're going to put their hands on. But it's, it's rare that they seen, they're being seen training jiu-jitsu. But everybody's learning how to shoot. Right, exactly. The shoot and the percentage of uh, the chances that you're going to be shoot someone, it's it's just slimmer, you know, it's just smaller. So Correct, yeah. I, I think I agree with, with everything you say right there as far as when it comes to uh, law enforcement, they, they're – their training should be uh, a lot more and they won't go to their gun as much. And we wouldn't have this, this, uh, this craziness that, 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 that we have. I, I've, I've been an advocate for that for a very long time. And, and my, uh, it's, it, it's, it's hard to even get police officers to train. Sergio probably has this level of, of security, of confidence that he is one of the few guys in law enforcement that really know how to, how to fight. You know, that's correct. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. I agree with you hundred percent. Yeah. He, I think he'd agree with that, he, you know, him and I had those discussions before, before. So I see a great picture of you too, by the way, I, there's a picture of you. I don't know if it's on your Facebook. You just, you're hugging this kid, this little, this little kid. Uh, oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if you were just giving him new rank. Yeah. Or, it, was a belt oh, ceremony. it was a bell ceremony. Yeah. Was it? Yeah. yeah. So, so have you changed, you know, that's one thing that's a little bit different and it's built in the culture of jujitsu, right? Is that, you know, the rank just kind of comes right at, at certain times, you know, and, you know, and I think Sergio wrote it to us too. And you probably agree with this. He goes, there's, there's rank has a couple of things when the coach is looking at you. One is it's time because of the amount of time that's gone by. 
and you're going to grow into that rank or it's past time and you should have been there a while ago or it's shows up on time and it's time for you to go to the next level. Sure. Right. Um, and, you know, I remember when he promoted me, I was not I didn't even talk about it for two, two and a half weeks, you know, what I mean? because I was like, oh, man, because this is like a lot of pressure. Right. When you when you go. When you hit purple belt, I just remember even from my days, you know, purple belts were gnarly on the mat. Okay. They are no joke. And I was just thinking, oh man. And, uh, I remember that was very hard for me. And so you have this belt ceremony. Do you still, are you, are you trying to streamline the belting? Um, or is it still something that you guys do? Cause even in our school, when we, even if we do belting, when we do it, you know, it's not like a traditional martial arts where we have a, a testing fee and we do all that kind of stuff. And there's certain things that you have to do. What are you doing now? Is that anything changed in that in your world? Well, you're making a comment before that we have a company. Actually, Carlson is part of it, you know, on, on helping school owners, jujitsu, grappling MMA school owners to 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 learn how to do a more a proper business oriented mentality to start a couple of systems that we think is important for people to know. So we all know, MasterCard, you know that, you know, for the business side, 80% of the martial arts industry is, is, is geared towards kids. Of 80%, course. 20% are adults. 80% are kids. Kids need structure. Kids need to understand that if they show up and they learn the process, they learn the techniques, they come from here to here in three and three months, you know, but you have to go. you got to show up. If you don't show up, something has to be reevaluated. So that structure that, that traditional martial arts has, um, it is not implemented in jiu-jitsu. And I think, I think there's so much to learn with traditional martial arts. There's so much of the classes structure, the curricular implementation, the systems of pedagogy itself, you know, how to teach the teaching the kids, how to teaching the structures of how to actually um, perform better job of passing the knowledge and, and make those kids retain the knowledge and just make sure that they, you, you evaluate that, you know? You want to you want people to 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 feel that they can learn and they have a pathway. That pathway is it doesn't exist in jujitsu for adults for the most part. And it's cultural. It is yes. cultural. Don't forget this. It is cultural for many reasons. One is jujitsu is still extremely competitive. So uh, the competition is still a, a symbolism of. Of, of your ability to to be a black belt, to be a brown belt. You know, you know, it's not just time. It is if you can compete and win, okay, you deserve the black belt. You deserve I, I remember I live this and this is what's cultural. It's, it's everything to do. But it's it's not how the world you know function, mm -hmm. especially here in America and especially for the kids. It is not right, in my opinion. You know, kids have to know, and the parents also, when they're consumers, they have to know uh, what is entitled to be part of this curriculum, of this program. You know, so first stripe, he's he going to learn this. Second stripe, they're going to learn that. 
third stripe, they're going to learn that. And then fourth stripe, they're going to learn that. Carlson, it is building a massive book of all this content that he was actually created from his own system to try to do this too. Because of lack of, there was a lack, there was a hole in the industry, you know, and how to do this. And, yeah. and provide this is important. I think it's providing is important so we all can grow. Yeah, I think that's, uh, I think that's, I think that's good. I think that that's what works in our traditional schools. I mean, you've seen Carson school, my school. I mean, I've been doing this for yep. quite a while and I don't really, you know, you plug in the art into the system. So the art doesn't matter as much as the system of running it and how to, how to do that. So I think that that is, um, you know, I think that, that, you know, that's the way of, yeah. of art. It, and, and there is a culture there, there it, it's a culture shock. And then of course, in jujitsu, you know, I don't even think you can be blue belt until you're 16 years old. Is that correct? Yes, yeah, correct. Yeah. Right. So yep. you have to keep these kids around from three years old. Yep. To 16 years old. To That's 16. Yeah. Right. And I just don't see that changing anytime soon. I don't see no, that. It, that it, I don't see that culture change. change. It won't change. What you no. got to do it is you got to build up more curriculum. It is the structure. Mr. Cox, it, it, it doesn't matter. Let's put it this way. If you know that you're going to get your black belt as an adult, let's say an adult. Okay, or the kid from three years old to 13 years old. You have 10 years of content. Content. Kids are easier. I'm telling you why. Kids are easier because the evaluation is a matter of presence, right? Your attendance and the knowledge that should be put into you. So if you attend a class and that's the schedule that you have to be learning this, this is your schedule. You learn this. Both mm -hmm. from here to here. And it's not too difficult because in in the two and two months, kids have to three and three months, kids have to get a new stripe on a belt. So you have to build content for three months for that kid to come from here to here. And then from here to here, the second stripe, the third stripe, the fourth stripe. And the kids learn in a in a different process. I mean, you you're gonna break down a complicated movement on the ground that is going to require for you to the same movement or position is going to be break down in three segments, three parts. So you grab it here. You got the hands coming over here. <laughs> uh, now the second part and you step here and you step there. Now you finish the takedown, you know, all those little things have to be break down in, in, in more parts than the adult. That's for sure. But this lack of a structure, this lack of a of, of, of a commitment with the curriculum, attachment to the curriculum, it's something that is not going to let jujitsu grow more. You know, it's hard. Yeah, it's hard. I, I, I agree. I think that I think that we're, I think we're definitely onto something with that. That's why I enjoy those, yep. you know, those those talks on on what that is and how to. You know how to utilize school owners like myself or Carson and stuff like that. How to bring that, bring what we have to the forefront and and plug that jujitsu in there. I think that that's been, I think that's something that really has to be be looked at. That was yeah. I think that was really good for me to hear from you on on that. You know because, you know the thing, the difference with you is you've lived this culture. You I mean not to mention, um, you know, 
I believe that you you know uh, one of the stories you said you know jujitsu wasn't just a sport back back in the day. I mean jujitsu was on the street. It was you know this is something that you lived. You know it's, what I mean? It's a lifestyle. It was a, definitely a lifestyle. We, right. we we were always seen as a a click. I mean a click. It's not a click. It's it's a segment of. You know, like you have people that go for art and music and uh, people go for, you know, for, I don't know, other type of sports. We have this little segment of of competitors and fighters and, you know, that, that was the fighters that was being seen differently, you know, dressed differently, go eat in a different, um, in the different restaurants because you don't eat the same, you know. All this is, was different. Go to a in Brazil, you go to the beach over here where's the where the fighters are staying, you know. It's <laughs> it was it was different. It was pretty different, you know. Yes. And you have the surf guys, which is completely different. It, <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? It's a lifestyle. It was a lifestyle. Right. It was yes. worse, you know. Yes, I yes, I get that. So so as we and you know, we're we're coming up on an hour already. So tell me some where you see what you're what you're looking for now and and the lessons you're trying to teach children out, out of this from your jujitsu now. So where what are you doing now today? So you have a school now out in Florida, correct? Yeah, I opened up a school in Florida in October. So October, we decided to go. Somebody came up. We have an attachment with one big sports complex here, and we had decided to open up uh, our school in Lake Nona. So I'm teaching at the university. And I'm teaching, which is something pretty new. I'm teaching a, a academic class of jujitsu and self-defense, um, which is a credit course that you can do to the Department of Kinesiology. If you work three, three points. And you can do this um, every Tuesday, Thursdays, and Wednesdays. So I am doing the university Tuesday, Thursdays, and Wednesdays, and I'm going work at night with the with the martial arts nation in Lake Nona, and we're just we're just growing. But the most important thing for me is I have the opportunity to start working with kids again, Master Fox, and this has not happened in a while. When I came to US, I came to US with a mission to train professional fighters. I have this big background teaching you know, adults for the most part and competitors for the most part. And there's how much more I learn, how much more I put time into in learning the traditional, you know, traditional industry, traditional martial arts industry and how they're successful and why they're successful in America. You know, we, we find out that has everything to do with a character education has everything to do with the life skills and the social skills and the environment that you build in your school. Everything to do with this. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like I learned so much about this and, and I was able to put in practice this year teaching, teaching kids. So I came from teaching pro fighters and adults and to teach you, you know, college kids and I'm teaching kids. And I'm having an absolute blast with this, Mark. I'm telling you this. Master Cox, I'm telling you this. I love it. I mean, I love it to a point that I, I can't wait to go there and, and teach the kids. 
I do. Yeah. And I well, you can see it. I, I, you know, I, I think that picture uh, is, you know, they say a picture is worth a thousand, a thousand words. Yeah. I see that one little picture of you with that, with that kid. I'm like, man, he's just in his element right oh, now. And I, I think God. that there's so many characters. There's so many little kids that I, <laughs> man, that's, it's just absolutely awesome. You know? Yeah. That's... And I always liked it. I always liked kids. I always like to teach kids. But I never had the time because I'm always traveling, Master Parks. I was doing seminars. I always, you know, going around. Yeah. At the time of the pro fighters, we have this crazy schedule to leave. We leave home on Wednesday and Thursday they have to cut weight. Friday is the way in. Saturday is the fight. Sunday we come back home. So I could never be teaching the kids itself. So yeah. for me right now, this really has been um, a tremendous opportunity. I'm learning a lot, you know, still, but I, man, I just enjoying so much, so much yeah. it's been, has been a, a tremendous experience to me. You know? Yeah, that's good. That's good. Well, it's, uh, you're, you're a rare breed too, that, you know, you're able to have successes in there. I mean, I think it's pretty awesome that you, there's a class that you can take in jujitsu and get college credits for in the kinesiology department. I mean, I, I think that's, I yeah, mean, that's, was, that's pretty, that's pretty, I was very happy about it because it was the first one in the state of Florida and master Cox, we just blew up this man. It is really, we started with, with one class. Now we're in five classes and, and the club that we have here, there's more than 390 kids. All this minute, just, this was like in two years, if it wasn't for COVID COVID hit it hard, you know, uh -huh. like everybody, you know, COVID really hit it hard on it, but we're just back. And I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about all this. You know, I really am. I really am. Well, that's good. Listen, let me just tell you this. You are, you and, and this group itself, you, Carlson, Sergio, you guys are, you are a red, you're a rare breed too. First of all, because you're successful as in a traditional martial artist, but your mindset, your, you know, your mindset, your, you, your your pathway of learning new skills, you know, be open to learn more stuff. I'm telling you this, Master Cox, it's not everybody. A lot of people will be stay on the safe side. It will never train and you never get their ass kicked and never get exposed or whatever it is. It's learning a new skill. And all of you guys, you know, all of you guys are, you're all special breeds, man. I know this because this is one of the, this is one of my favorite group of guys <laughs> hanging around. You know, I'm always like, you got We got to do this more often, at least, you know, twice a year, you got to come down here and visit us in Orlando. Yeah. I, I, I got to go visit you in California one day. Yeah, you know? that it would be, yeah, it would be our honor to have here. Sergio would just, we'd have a blast going out there. We talk about this quite often because it's not, that's not much of a drive to get to you. Uh, from where we stay in Georgia anyway. And it's, oh, it's, yeah, uh, it's, you know, being with like-minded people like, like yourself yeah. and, and stuff. And you're right about a lot of things. I, I do enjoy, uh, you know, I, I I'm not going to lie. I don't like losing. It's not my favorite yeah. thing, but, uh, you know, uh, yeah. uh, but I'd certainly but it's like losing. it's learning, right? It's learning. <laughs> that's it. it learning. Yeah. It's learning. And I learn, it's <laughs> that's it. and I learn quite often, as a matter of fact, uh, <laughs> and so, um, that's right. that's right. me too, me too. I'm just learning too much. 
But I'm telling you this, it is this or nothing. I'm telling you, oh, I, I, people I, that I don't have the, the mindset <laughs> of, of being humble enough to to accept this. Yeah. They, they would never progress because you, you know, have I, to be there. <laughs> I would love, I think I would like to do a podcast with uh, – Yourself and Sergio and Carson and myself, the four of us, yeah. so we can get get perspective from from your generation, Sergio's generation, and us coming up. I think it would be, I think it would be a fun a fun talk. I know that Sergio would be in that. Something I can kind of facilitate, and we can do. I'm sure Carson will be on board with that too. We would have, man, we'd have a ton of questions for you, man. You know that you call me and I'll be here. You know, yeah, it was. Oh, yeah, you just right away. You give me a call. Sure. You so I think to end things, you know, uh, I want you to encourage, give some encouraging words to those that are in jujitsu about, especially this. Okay, that what from a a coaches yourself and a competitor, what what you've learned over time and those that continue to come to class. Sometimes they just, you know, they're, they're struggling, like they're not learning and that's how people end up quitting. Right. And some, some words of wisdom from yourself, but what jujitsu has taught you and what it can teach, teach the them in, in the process. Jiu-jitsu in life itself is number one is what it makes successful. It is really the, the discipline, the persistence, you know, this is stamina that you build up of just keep coming. That's 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 the key for success of anything, for anything. Now, if if you think that you're not learning anything, you can take breaks or different approach for the sport itself. But think this way: for the white belt who's just coming over here, if you're just training with the blue belts, of course you're going to get your ass kicked. Don't forget, this is part of the process. It is part of the process. Losing to a higher belt. That's what it's supposed to be. That was supposed, supposed to be. But that was a shift. Don't forget this. And this shift is for the older guys. And the shift is for people that we actually stop coming, stop not doing it. And in reality, like in life, in life, here's one thing, especially nowadays. Nowadays, MasterCard, is, is not about how much you, you learn. It is how much you know now. We live in this new era of every day something is new coming. And it's free for all on the internet. And it, and you have to, it's not acquire new. You have to retain what you know. And you being creative enough and open enough so you can get more stuff coming in. That's right. what is the new generation have it that we never had. And we have, we remember this. Mr. Gok, we have no VHS. We have no tapes of anything. There was no, you know, there was no history of what we have done except for pictures. You know, rare you see, rarely you see films of the competitions and things like that. Nowadays, everything has been recorded and filmed. And if you, it's not what you have learned, it's what you, what you're acquiring in knowledge now. And that's the difference. Pretty different than what we had before. Before you go there and you're a black belt, you're a black belt. No, you no, you just got to keep learning and you got to keep doing it because the volume of learning process right now is pretty different from our generation. This is one of the things. Um, number two is 
is for the guy who's just white belt and is learning right now, just get the new guy. And you're going to be seeing really a prospect of what you have learned. You know, if you're in it, so I can tell my guys, guys, don't worry. You just started right now. You're going to get this period of time. Then you're going to get your ass kicked, which is a normal thing. <laughs> and in three months or four months, there will be a new guy coming in. And, you, and you're going to understand how much you learn. And it's, oh, okay, that makes sense, you know. But if you are in a set that is just you as a white belt and a bunch of black belts, how are you going to learn? The learning curve is going to be very, you know, very different <laughs> if the guys yeah. on the same level, you know. Yeah, but just be I patient agree. and just keep coming. That's it. That's it. I think that's the best thing that you you've said. Almost you've said this all podcast. Just keep coming, keep showing yeah. up, keep showing up. You know, isn't that isn't that the it, that I, I guess that's big life's biggest lesson, right? That's you want to have success, keep showing up to yeah. what you want to do. So. That's that. I think punch I think that's a good thing to end on. Punch the clock. You just got to go back and punch the clock in the next day. That's it. That's that's you know? right. Wow, this friend. was uh, this was uh, this was awesome. This uh, hour and twelve minutes went by. It flew by. I could sit and talk with you for quite a Me while. Too. It was uh, you know. I look forward to uh, seeing you again. Did you go to Carson's Wild Dinner? Did you go to that? No. I came early. Look at this. I came early from. I scheduled my trip to come back from Norway. Came early one day. Well, we were. I don't even know. Me and and Grant were somewhere, and it was in the same day. We thought it was Sunday. It was Saturday. So hey, uh, what time tomorrow? Uh, Call oh. what time tomorrow? No, it's tonight, man. That's impossible for us to do it. Yeah. Oh, so you missed it. I was in Oklahoma. Too. Yeah, I was in Oklahoma. I I couldn't make this one. I, I you know. I'm going to try and come to next year's. He asked me every year to come and it's, it's always hard for me to travel over the holidays, but I think I'll, I'll, uh, I'll bite the bullet because Sergio came with his family and we'll, we'll all get together and have a good time at that thing and hope, eat alligators and deer. I hope, I hope we have time this year soon <laughs> enough for all of us, you know, get together. Yeah. You know, I would love all right. to, if we go there. Master Cox. All right. Much love to you guys. You know that. Thank you. you. Any time you, any time I'll be here. Yes, I appreciate Coach, you've been you've been uh, you've been awesome being in our life. I appreciate it. You've been listening to Real Talk with Mark Cox. Real life, real topics, real conversation. We're passionate about motivation, fitness, self-defense, weight loss, and coming at it from a real angle. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you had fun. We know we did. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit us up on Instagram and Facebook at MarkCox100. Make sure to subscribe and review. And tell a friend or two about the show. For more, hit up the website at MarkCox.com. Till next time, keep it real.